Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series that's devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from Living Faith Bible Institute and across our fellowship of churches. And uh, on these episodes, we're really hoping that the content is encouraging to you. We're having conversations about missions and ministry and theology, and we're really hoping that this is strengthening to you and beneficial. And so right now we're in the middle of a conversation on charismatic theology. In fact, this is the third in a series of three episodes devoted to this subject. And we're here with Pastor Alan Shelby of Harvest Baptist Church in Blue Springs, Missouri. And uh, today we're going to talk specifically about apostolic gifts and whether or not there are certain gifts uh, that ceased or continue uh, from the first century, from Acts chapter 2 and, and, and what follows. Do those gifts follow us into the 21st century is kind of the question for today. And so before I begin asking Pastor Alan Shelby uh, questions on this subject matter, I want to uh, quote from uh, 2001, uh, pastor and famous professor of church growth. That's that was his title, pastor of or professor of church growth at Fuller Theological Seminary. Peter Wagner. He declared uh, what he referred to as the second apostolic age uh, at a conference in 2001. He made this proclamation that we are entering into a second apostolic age, and uh, we understand historically this is actually the third wave of the charismatic, charismatic theology movement. Um, Wagner compares this new charismatic movement to the Reformation of the 16th century, and he says the following, I think I can make a reasonable argument that it, the, the second apostolic age, may actually turn out to be more a more radical change. This is now widespread recognition that the office of apostleship was not just a phenomenon of the first couple centuries of the church of church history, but that it's also functioning in the body of Christ today. So here's my question for you, Pastor Allen. What does the second apostolic age suggest? That concept, that idea, what is that suggesting to us and what should we take note of? So I think, uh, you know, it suggests that since what we have is not sufficient, we need to be looking for something more. Mm. And one of the something mores that you can get is if they had apostles back then, let's have apostles today. A second apostolic age would require both apostles and those who have the gifts of an apostle. Right. And so second apostolic age, that's this, this is going to meet our need. This is going to answer all our questions. If you are part of this, then then you will you will not be stuck anymore and you will have everything that you need and you'll know that you're right in the right spot. Mm -hmm. And so with that proclamation comes all these other things, uh, particularly the apostolic gifts, um, things like speaking in tongues, healing, prophesying. In what ways are those, now we've talked about those in the previous episodes, but in what ways are those fraudulent claims, those claims to prophecy and, and, and claims to tongues and these other gifts, the laying out of hands for healing or whatever it might be? Right. So as I get to the to the fraudulence, uh, proving the fraudulency of the claims, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay. <clears throat> so as we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we know from the book of Acts, whenever, whenever the original... 11 apostles who were left are saying, look, 
we've got to replace Judas right now. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to uh, replace his apostleship. We need someone else in that slot. And so as they are saying, well, who should we choose? Here are the requirements for an apostle. And it has right. to be someone to uh, who observed Christ in his life and ministry in those three years with us. Right. So that's the, and, that's one of the first requirements is right. this this guy, whoever it is, right. has right. to have walked with us in, in the ministry with Jesus. Yes. Okay. And so they choose uh, Matthias and they move on from there. Mm-hmm. Then there were there was Paul who said he was born out of due time. Um, so in one way, maybe it was um, he was born later because he saw Christ directly face to face on the road to Damascus. Right. Another way, he's a premature birth because I think he's he stands somewhat as a type of the 144,000 during the tribulation. Mm. I'll, I'll set that aside. Okay, that's another episode, I think. Yes. Yeah. But um, so, okay, so here's Paul. He's an apostle. There are additionally a few others who are referred to as apostles in the New Testament. And given what we know from the scriptures, they also would have been people who walked with Christ at that period of time. Mm-hmm. They are not part of the 12, because Paul was not part of the 12, yet they are, so apostle means sent one, they are the ones specifically commissioned by Christ to have that role of affirming to the Jews Mm -hmm. that the rules have changed. So Actually, the gift of an apostle, I think, apostolic gifts are not strictly defined by what we see listed as spiritual gifts, Holy Spirit-given gifts, here in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Right. But the New Wave apostolic movement says that they draw a line and connect it with that and say that's what it is. Apostolic gifts, or as Paul wrote to uh, the Corinthians and and others, you know, there were times when he wrote and said, "Look, don't make me come there and do this." You know, I've got the gifts of an apostle, and yeah. you don't want me to bust out on you like that, right? So, gifts of an apostle were more related to what we saw happening between Peter and Simon. What we The gifts of an apostle were things like what Paul did in defense of the gospel going to the Roman authority there in uh, uh, Cyprus and Phrygia and places like mm-hmm. that. And so now there's this other Jew who is trying to to strangle the baby in the womb, as it were, and thwart Christianity on its very first missionary world tour. And Paul says, no, you ain't going to get away with that. Right, yeah. And he was smitten with blindness from that moment on. And, you know, the the head of the the island says, look, okay, no, you— you uh, yeah, I agree with 
you. I'm going to believe in Christ. You got freedom to preach. Those were the gifts of an apostle. So so what you're saying is that early on in Paul's ministry, he was given uh, similar gifts to what we see Peter showing the Jews. Hey, here's here's the evidence. Here's the signs. This is is why we're legit. This is why we come with the authority of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so Paul was given similar gifts, maybe for a slightly different reason, uh, as he went to the Gentiles who had never heard any of this before, uh, he was going among the synagogues and among the Gentiles both. In one way, he was he was performing these signs as a wake-up call to the Jewish people. But on the other hand, it was a way to bring legitimacy to his message as he met with um, um, people people from the Roman Empire who would have never known. Yes, and I think that was not something that was exercised even in Paul's ministry um, very much or very often. But when he did go to Ephesus, for example, Mm -hmm. um, then uh, as, as he would work tent making and wipe sweat off his brow with a you know, with his sweat rag and set mm-hmm. it down, somebody take it and put it on somebody who was sick and they were healed. So there were things to confirm that this this is what is going on here. Right. And um, so I think it's it's like this. When you plant a tree, when you plant a sapling, as that tree begins to grow, you stake it. And you stake the tree so that the prevailing winds will not cause the tree to grow in a lopsided fashion. Mm-hmm. And because there are prevailing winds in in our locality, then you stake it to stay straight. And once it is going straight, you can take that away and it and it is a straight and a strong tree. Yeah. And the same thing was happening with Christianity. And so apostolic gifts were the apostles staking the church in particular localities for specific reasons right. so that it would grow as as it did in the early empire before yeah. Nero and other emperors started chopping that tree down and burning it but right. it got its it got its start it that is the big bang theory yeah. of yeah. Uh, you know acts chapter chapters 1 to 4 that is carried by the apostles to the places they go and that gets things started well then now it's kind of up to us to keep it uh, on a solid footing yeah that's that's interesting and that's obviously that comes from our you know our ability to have that perspective is because of our dispensational theology, our ability to decipher right. and tell the difference. We understand how to rightly divide right. what is going on so we don't borrow things from another dispensation and read it into ours because it is not supposed to be there. Okay, so then with that, and you know, at this point it's obvious, so forgive me. So are there apostles today? Well, so back to Peter Wagner. Okay. And let me let me frame what was what was happening there. Because I had I'd mentioned in the last episode that God heals, but God has not given anyone today the gift of healing, mm-hmm. because none of them will go with me to the pediatric cancer ward at Children's Mercy Hospital. Right. So I know that. So that's easy. I know that. But but yet God heals. Uh, there was um, a good friend of mine. Uh, older missionary, Daryl Champlin, 
And his wife's family go way back into the Congo in Africa being missionaries. Mm. So God had called him to be a missionary. He married, you know, the daughter of missionaries. They went to the Congo. Mm. And during the Simba Rebellion, they are separated from their children. They are directing the UN helicopters to pick up survivors. They hear that their kids are at a mission station with uh, another female missionary there. Mm -hmm. And then the word comes back that that missionary had been killed by the rebels and so forth. Wow. And they could not get the UN um, officials doing the evacuations to go back. There's like, no, there's, there's no use. There's no reason to do this. This is a report we've got. So he and, he and his wife, Louise, they kneel, kneeled on the tarmac and they just prayed and, you know, gave their kids to God. They're dead. They've been, they've been killed. And I don't know how it happened, but lo and behold, they get up off their knees and there's this, this last helicopter coming out who had actually gone by there anyway, and their kids come stepping out. Well, they have to leave the field on the Congo they go they choose to go to suriname south america mm. which is a convergence of so since it was a dutch colony which slaves were brought to there was native uh indian or whatever you want to call it native witchcraft there was the imported witchcraft of from the african continent right as well as you know whatever stuff that came in through the Dutch and everything else. Mm -hmm. And their method was to follow the mining company um, headway into the jungle and to go there and do the pioneer work and start an outpost. Mm-hmm. So they go there. They so as missionaries, they went ahead of what they they foresaw as the industrial movement. Yeah, okay. and they went where they could, as missions has always done, on the back of capitalism and commercial movement. Mm-hmm. So they go back up there, and they've been there a while, and they've got their little house they're living in, and people they're ministering to in their huts. <clears throat> and they'd been there a while, and he had had somebody trans- teach him how to teach him the language, and they were, maybe he'd had one or two converts, so some young believers in the faith. Mm-hmm. And the chief of the village said, okay, no mas, enough of that, no more. They called in a witch doctor, and they invited him, t- they invited Daryl to come down for the meeting that they were having down by the riverside. Sounds like fun. At night. Okay. So he gets down there and there's a huge bonfire going. And there is a pile of broken glass and there is the bonfire. And the witch doctor starts doing what we might describe happened in 1901. Okay. And yeah. so there, you know, he's having his prayer meeting and he's yeah, right. dancing around and, you this know, a, he's a reference to the first episode, by the way. So yes. you should go back and listen to that. So, anyway. so eventually somebody says the demon is upon him and he jumps on the glass and he's not cut. Okay. He moves over to to standing in the fire and he is not burned. 
And now Daryl Champlin was the most conservative, independent, fundamental Baptist you can imagine. Definitely not charismatic. Mm-hmm. Okay, none of this. But he, his testimony was, you know, as I stood there and I saw that happen, my heart just, my prayer just went up to God. God, what about the new converts? And what about, you know, everything you're doing with us? And what about what we're supposed to be doing here? He said, he said he, the Holy Spirit talked to him and told him, just said, go down to the front. And he went down to the front and then said, take, take off your shoes and socks. He took off his socks and his shoes. And he started walking on the glass. He said it was it was kind of gingerly at first, and he could feel it was sharp, but it wasn't cutting him. Mm. And then he walked over into the fire. He said he could feel it was hot, but he wasn't getting burned. He said he stood in the middle of the fire, and he told the entire village. He said, look, God didn't have to do this because, because I got a Bible. Mm-hmm. I can give you the Bible. God didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. But if you follow that witch doctor, it will lead you to hell. And and if you follow the God of the Bible, you go to heaven. You know, words to that effect. And then he just he just got wow. his stuff. He walked up, you know, back to their house. He said early the next morning people came by and you didn't have a door, so you didn't knock. You know, you went cuckoo, cuckoo. And that, that's how you knock. <laughs> By the so way, I'm people, so glad we got that on on video. Yeah, people We're came. Use that. Yeah, people came up and said, you know, how's your feet? And he said, well, look at them. And there was just, there's no blisters. There's there's no nothing. Hmm. So, what had happened was Peter Wagner. I'm going to say in his missionary travels went places abroad where God was fighting fire with fire. He still he still reserves that right to himself. Yeah. I would not say that he could not give someone the ability to speak English and have a Muslim hear Arabic and get saved. I'm not saying God couldn't do that. Right. Um, so there, he went abroad and he saw places where they were fighting fire with fire. He came back and said what we now need to add to this second apostolic movement is power evangelism. Now, Paul said the gospel itself is the power of God. Right. Peter Wagner was saying, no, we need to add power to the gospel. We need power evangelism. That means healing meetings, speaking in tongues, signs and evidences like that. We need power evangelism. So they founded the Vineyard Movement and IHOP here in our locality, not International House of Pancakes, but International House of Prayer, whatever, Um, came out of vineyards and and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so so that's that's where that came from. They misunderstood what 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 God was doing in a certain spot because He's fighting fire with fire. They drew a direct line to. Again, back to Acts chapter two to four, and saying we've got you know Acts two, we need to stop right there. We need we we need to go back there. We need to stop there, and forget all the rest. So he he what Wagner is suggesting is that this is no exception. This is the expectation. This should be the expect. This should be the expectation. So if I'm going to 
figure out if that's correct or not, if I'm going to define it from the Bible, then I would say, okay, let's start in 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. In other words, to profit everyone. Not just to profit the individual, which contradicts what they say about speaking in tongues. That's mm-hmm. mainly to profit the individual. Yeah, because when they suggest that they're speaking in tongues, a lot of the times the way they, they get around meeting the qualifications of Scripture is, this is a this is something that's given for edification. This is for me in my prayer closet. This is Personally, for yeah. this is a personal edification device. This is, you know, tongues so of it's angels. cathartic psychologically. Yeah, but it has no role in either witnessing to somebody or confirming something to Jews or right. you know anybody else. Right, the way it was seen in yeah. Acts. Yeah. So so here we are in First Corinthians. Christ dies in A.D. 30. The temple is destroyed 40 years later in A.D. 70. Mm -hmm. 40 is the number of testing. 40 is an entire generation. For an entire generation, surely once in their life, any good Jew is going to come to the temple. They're going to make the hajj. They're going to come to the temple to keep one of the feasts. Mm-hmm. No matter where they are at in the empire, at least once in their life, they're going to come. Mm-hmm. So for 40 years, they go to the temple and they see the apostolic sign gifts. And so they see Peter and John healing a lame man. And they hear in their native heart tongue the gospel, mm-hmm. the good news of what Christ has done on the cross, that Jesus was the Christ that yes, he was crucified, but he he paid for our sins. He rose again the third day. They heard the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Yeah. Whether or not any one of those gospels was written yet, they heard exactly that when they went to Jerusalem mm-hmm. for 40 years. Yeah. So God is grandfathering in. So it's not, it's not like, well... On this day, that dispensation ended, and on this day, right. the next one began. Yeah. At least not for the Jews, because the temple was still in existence. So for 40 years, they could come to God through Christ, or they could continue to come to God through the temple. Paul's point in the book of Hebrews is, if you come to God through Christ and go back, deny Christ right. and go back to the temple, all bets are off. Right. You have lost your salvation. So can somebody, somebody can lose their salvation in the New Testament, but not me. Mm-hmm. So 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 here we are in 1 Corinthians and the temple is still in existence. And Paul says, look, don't forbid to speak in tongues. He talks about the unknown tongue. I think it was Hebrew. Hmm. He said, don't for, forbid to speak in tongues. Why? Because his brethren, the Jews, that that he had said that he would go to hell on their behalf. Well, he, he doesn't want to cut that off. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, but when that gift is being exercised, that's not for you. That is to profit everybody because a point is being made for those who are watching. But, but setting aside the dispensational piece, okay, I go down and I see that it says, um, 
verse 8, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Okay. Now I go one chapter later. Okay. To, to the very same verses, verses uh, 8 through 10, this time a chapter, chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies... Oh, wait, gift of prophecy? They shall, they shall fail. There will come a moment when that gift is no longer operating. Mm-hmm. Um, whether there be tongues. So out of nine gifts that he lists in chapter 12, he takes out three right. representative and mm-hmm. says, okay, whether there shall be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, word of knowledge, prophecy, it shall vanish away. Mm -hmm. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part, i.e., these gifts, shall be done away. Right. So he's establishing, So just so we understand, he's establishing that these gifts, in particular, have a shelf life. Yes. And um, when that shelf life comes to a conclusion, these gifts will no longer be a part of the 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 uh, um, listing or the uh, the maybe the Christian conversation, if you will. Right? These will no longer belong to that the lifestyle of faith that we hold to now. So, explain to me. Obviously, the next question is that which is perfect. Yeah. So he says, there's a shelf life here. Even after I've said, don't forbid to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. And then given the rules that it has to go by. Right. Exactly. Which Because if you guys get crazy on this, no Jew's going to listen to you. Right. So therefore, here's the rules. But let me, you know, faith, hope, now we're into love. Love is going to predict the future for you. Because I love you, I got to tell you what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to stop. It's going to cease. It's going to quit. It's not going to be valid. It's not going to happen. You're going to wonder why. Mm-hmm. But it, but don't don't be scared because mm-hmm. it only ha- happens. That only stops because now you have that which is perfect. Okay, yeah. so there's all sorts of theological debate, right, on what that meant and sure. what is that which is perfect. So I will say there are only two perfect things that have ever been on this planet. Mm -hmm. The incarnate Word of God and the inscripturated Word of God. Right. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else. I don't know what it is. But the incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ, the inscripturated Word of God, the Bible we have. Now, if you don't believe that, then that's part of the reason for the mess we's in. Right. So Paul did not know which was going to come first. He did not know if the second coming of Christ would happen before the Bible was completed. Or is the Bible going to be completed before the second coming of Christ? Mm -hmm. So he words it somewhat ambiguously, but accurately, when that which is perfect has come. Yeah. Obviously, if Christ returns, we don't need a word of knowledge. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need prophecy. Right. We don't. We don't need to speak in tongues. Right. But by the same token, if we have a completed Bible, we don't need those things either. Mm-hmm. Because when you speak in tongues, it is as much the Word of God as what you have. So you really need a loose leaf Bible because every interpretation of tongue speaking, every prophecy that's ever been prayed over you needs to be put in somewhere after the book of concordance. (laughs) And because that's as much the word of God as anything else. So you don't need speaking in, you don't, that is why Paul Paul tells them these gifts are going to cease. Now, two lines of evidence that prove this interpretation. Right. The, by all I'm doing is, you know, cross-referencing scripture basically. Sure. But two lines of evidence. One, um, take someone who says they can speak in tongues, find two or three other people who say they have the gift of prophecy. Take your take your iPhone, record them speaking in tongues, take it separately to the two or three people who say they have the gift of prophecy, and if those other two or three say exactly the same thing about what's being said in tongues, I will eat the iPhone. I don't know. I think you know. I, just, I think that's a safe bet. Um, they they won't agree to it. I don't think. But you and I both know if they did it, it wouldn't it wouldn't come out the same. Mm-hmm. As well as all the people who claim to prophesy over someone else, most of those things do not come to pass right but we as americans fall for the placebo effect in every area of life in Mm. nutrition and medicine in counseling in so in other words if we can see a infomercial and they have witness witnesses given to you know that i took this i did that it just my hair grew back and you know right. I got my virility and, and Samson, I'm Samson again, or whatever. Well then, oh yeah, that you know, I saw somebody said and you know it's just mm. that good. Mm-hmm. Well it's not it's not exactly a double blind um test, you know, clinically clinical test with with somebody given a placebo to see what is that effect. Sure. It's a not placebo empiric- always empirical, works. Right. To a certain percent, mm-hmm. well, you know, 20 percent, even a placebo will will help. Right. Find those people, put their testimony up, and you think that's what's happening. The same thing happens here. So if they give a hundred prophecies and ten of them come true, they're going to say this is a valid gift. Yeah. And yet it 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 doesn't fit because when I test it. I do a blind test like tongue speaking and those who can interpret it, it fails. Right. The other thing is that as I look at the Apostle Paul in his ministry, as he went on in ministry, he confesses and says, Trophimus, I have left at Miletum sick. Right. Wait, you're an apostle. Yeah, you have the did... gifts of an apostle? Yeah. You've spoken in tongues more than anybody else who's spoken in tongues? Well, I mean, partly because you're the missionary apostle. Mm -hmm. But okay then, so what does this mean? You left him there sick. Why didn't you take one of your handkerchiefs and put on him and see him healed? 
So even by the end of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, those gifts were dying right. out because they existed for a specific purpose at a specific time. And Paul says they're going to cease. We see them ceasing right, and stopping within the New Testament itself. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Timothy, you've got a tummy ache. Here's a medicinal approach. rather. Right. Than, yeah. yeah, Timothy. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> we can see... What you're saying is, in terms of the cessation, uh, which is basically the term, the, the theological term for the ending of gifts, we see that playing out even in Paul's lifetime. We see that he's the shelf life on his need for those gifts as we get closer, perhaps, to the completion of God's word uh, in inscripturation. Those gifts become less and less um, relevant or necessary. Okay, so. So back to this idea of that which is perfect uh, versus um, you know the the word the word of God the inscripturation of the word of God. So what we got was we Christ hasn't returned, uh, and and the word of God is complete, and now we can rely on that. And so what do we need the sign gifts for, right? I mean that's kind of where we're left off. Well, so I'll say where we are left off. Let's say if I stick here in First Corinthians, mm-hmm. which I will. I will describe as the epistle for a church in crisis, mm-hmm. like we are right now. Absolutely. So Paul is dealing with a disunited church. So why is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in there the way that it is? Well, for one thing, historically, they were still in that transition period Mm-hmm. Sometimes we only we we say the book of Acts is a transitional book, but the period it covers encompasses these epistles as well. Transitional mm-hmm. epistles, in a sense, in mm-hmm. some ways, not not as much as the general epistles when you get to the end, perhaps. Right. But still, they were written during that time of forty years when God is grandfathering in his people Israel into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so why is chapter 12 written, you know, why is it allowed in there just the same as it is? Is it to confuse us? I'll say no. I know how to define these gifts in terms of what I can use today. Mm -hmm. The gift of prophecy is preaching. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's not predicting, it's not foretelling, but it's forthtelling. There's a parallel. So there's a parallel. Yeah. Do I heal people with biblical counseling? Absolutely I do. Mm-hmm. The 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 physical need is inconsequential compared to the spiritual need. Sure. And sometimes psychological. I mean, we heal marriages, we heal families. Mm-hmm. We heal hurt and woundedness by what the Bible is saying. So do we have the gift of healing? Yeah, I think some people do mm-hmm. because they're great counselors. Right. And now that we have the complete word of God to have a relationship with, I've got a word of wisdom. Yeah. Word of knowledge, sure. I mean, we know that knowledge without love puffs up. But at the same time, God says his people were destroyed for lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I need a word of knowledge. I've got that in the Bible as well. Yeah. So in the same way that I take Ephesians 6 and the armor that it provides and it all ties me back to to the incarnate word and the inscripturated word. It show, it ties me back to Christ and the word of God in the same way these gifts are tying me 
exactly as they are stated to do, tying me back to Christ and the Word of God. So yeah. the written Word and the inscripturated Word and my relationship there. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And that's a great explanation of of that passage because so many so many times in charismatic circles or even just among Bible-believing evangelicals in general, they've got so many explanations for that which is perfect, and they will use those. But ultimately, this explanation is the one that the most clearly presents the reasons for cessation. But not just that, um, it does not undermine the authority of Christ versus the authority of God's Word or the Word of God versus the authority of Christ. They, they are both that which is perfect. Uh, one just came before the other. Yeah, and I and I love that explanation. And, it and makes the most sense. Consider this for a second. Yeah, because we've talked about charismania, mm -hmm. if, I, if I'll phrase it that way. Sure. We've talked about cults in the previous episodes mm -hmm. and tie tie tie-ins there. Uh, but what about he, here's one Calvinism. Mm -hmm. So Reformed theologians would perhaps think of themselves as the sane kids on the block co compared to some of the rest of us. <laughs> and they're a little more intellectual and they have a few more degrees and, you know, they're, they, you know, they're well-educated. And um, however, most reformed theology and theologians today are, they are not cessationists. So Wayne Grudem is not a cessationist. And he hmm. has his whole big systematic theology, uh, much of which is very good. But there are many in th of the new Calvinists that you would think that they wouldn't buy into this, but they do. And, and John that Piper, is the I think, subtle, is also. subtle nature of what's going on. And I think that what we need to realize is that people fall for these things not because they're gullible, not because they're stupid, but because Satan has had so much experience with the human race hmm. and he knows us so well. that So he presents something, even an experience in their own life, mm -hmm. that they had in a counseling session where they just blurted out something and it turned out it was correct. That they, you know, something mm -hmm. that they shouldn't have known that looked like they knew. Sure. So they draw a direct line between this moment when that experience happened and what is presented. Right. The what we saw here in First Corinthians twelve and thirteen, that's the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, that's simple. Right. It it's it's clear about, you know, what that which is perfect is and why it's worded ambiguously as it is mm -hmm. um, but it is easy for the devil to get us to justify things that are wrong because he knows our heart better than we know it yeah and too many times we're not willing to submit it to biblical authority yeah that's that's interesting and it also makes me think about um, maybe the ways in which we um we as believers as um independent baptists um who are dispensational we use our theology as a justification for neglecting the spirit as a whole yes 
And so we are, we are maybe um, liable for the exact opposite reasons our charismatic brothers and sisters might be um, for those that do know Christ and have not been distracted from the gospel. So here we are, we, you know, we don't get to necessarily stand in judgment knowing that many of our churches um, have completely repressed the movement of the Spirit in their midst because, well, for many, many different reasons. I don't know, maybe if this is a topic that you could, you could briefly... Well, here's, here's, I think, the main reason. Mm-hmm. So we do not have the Spirit's power. And I believe you can sense when you have the Spirit's power. I think, I think there are times we go through this pandemic, we go through a time of crisis, feels like everything is falling apart. We are so beaten down. Mm-hmm. And yet, as Paul described, even though we're perplexed, you know, it's not, you know, we're not, we, we have a word on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we may be down, but we're not out. And there comes across us this sense of, I can get up and go on. Right. And I don't have to pay that much attention to the rubble that is surrounding me. I keep my focus on Christ, and this is exactly what I should be doing in this moment. And it doesn't matter who I don't see that I used to see, and it doesn't. A lot of you know, I just, let me get out of my head for a minute. Yeah. So, so you know when you have spiritual power, and the Spirit's power, but it only comes as you walk after the Spirit. You know, this this crisis has shown the cracks in a lot of things. I think in our churches in different ways, in in couples, in many marriages. Yeah. Uh, the isolation has has shown the cracks. And in that moment of even just relationship and interaction with another person. If I am in my own head and in my own self, instead of minding the spirit and walking after the spirit in that relational interaction, mm-hmm. then I won't have the spirit's power. Yeah. So yes, I'm I'm left to myself. There is a way, and there's a reason why Paul talks as centrally as he does about walking in the spirit, not after the flesh, minding the spirit, not minding the flesh. Yeah. And Galatians 2.20. Mm-hmm. So I'm crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, check this. I don't even live by own, my own faith. I do not live by my faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. Now, even though that's what the Greek says, no other modern translation except King James says that. Hmm. They all say, well, I live by faith in Christ. Well, that, that kind of sounds like those who say, well, you know, the Bible can't be an authority. Only God's the authority. Well, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. Um, as smart as you are, you can't tell me how God mediates his authority through Scripture. Mm-hmm. No, they can't. Because they don't want to have a present authority. This is why I think we talk a lot about accountability in our circles. Mm-hmm. Human accountability only goes so far. Our ultimate accountability is the Holy Spirit because he's the only one there who is there 24-7. <laughs> yeah. If you don't submit to the point that you learn how to be accountable to the Holy Spirit, 
24-7. Well, no other amount of human accountability is going to help you, I don't think. Which is not saying that I'm against accountability structures where they are helpful. Sure. But my point is we've gotten away from the Bible because yeah. I live not even by my faith or my faithfulness. So I'm, it's not faith in faith that saves me. It is faith in Christ that saves me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's a different idea. And that is where walking in the Spirit comes in and not in the flesh because you're crucified in Christ and alive yet not, not I. Um, so we've gotten away from that spiritual aspect mm -hmm. of a walk in Christ. And, um, you know, as Baptists, knowledge puffed us up, unfortunately. Right. And we get away from the Holy Spirit in the aspects in which we really need him mm -hmm. and especially need him now. Well, uh, man, praise God. And I'm, I'm really thankful for where that turned at the end. That was great, um, practical, inspiring uh, word. And um, so I, oh, that's I think we should put a bow on it there. Praise the if Lord. If you're all right with that. Yeah. And uh, I'll and, put my finger. You can tie it. Okay, I will. You know, I, in fact, Billy Wood was telling me that, we, that I should like coin that phrase, put a bow on it. And I told him I'm not going to do that. And then here I am. I'm saying that. So... Um, Anyway, man, brother, I am so thankful for the time that we've spent together in this series, and I do think it will be very, very profitable uh, for those who uh, of our listeners who are hoping to learn more about the Spirit's true function in our life. And uh, and so, thank you for your time, Pastor Allen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, it means a lot, and we want to thank you for your time as well. We do hope that this series of episodes has been particularly encouraging. Uh, it's always fun doing the interview. Uh, but for me, it's completely vain unless it's uh, profitable to you and uh, and edifying. And so we hope that that you've been strengthened and that you've grown and that your interest in God's word has grown. And, and if it has, and if we could be of any help or assistance to that, we want to. And so we ask that you'd visit lfbi.org and learn more about our Bible school where pastors and professors just like Pastor Alan Shelby are teaching on a weekly basis on content ranging from spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians uh, all the way through manuscript evidence and uh, biblical counseling and on and on and on. And so please check that out. Check, check out lfbi.org. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can always reach out to us. We'd love to answer those. Uh, but we're thankful for you and your listenership. And we ask that you join us again next Monday, as always, for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Hey, Postscript listeners, we've hit 52 episodes and we're so thankful for the fact that you've joined us for so many interviews with pastors and professors as they've come through the studio. And we really do hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Now, we're really excited because we have an announcement to make. This fall, we're going to be launching a new segment called PS Plus, and it's going to be hosted by my dear friend, Van Sneed. So if you're listening to this and you're probably already familiar with the format of The Postscript, where each week Pastor Brandon interviews pastors and missionaries and other professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Well, on the PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of the topics that are being discussed and do a deep dive, but don't let that fool you. The episodes are gonna be 10 to 15 minutes, so they're short, they're sweet, they're edifying for you, but they're also shareable with your friends, your families, and other folks that need to hear it. 
So that's a really good point. We've always wanted the postscript to be edifying and encouraging to you, but now we're gonna be creating content that's shareable for your friends and family. If they wanna hear more about what you believe, this is gonna be the perfect opportunity for them. So we're really excited about this and we hope you join us this fall for the PS Plus. We'll see you soon.